Welcome to the KBB Review Podcast from Taylor's Media. This is episode 30, and I'm your host, Andy Davis. Yes, episode 30, big milestone. Turning 30 is always a bit tricky. It's the first time in your life you can really look back and see if you've achieved anything in your 20s. For example, when Paul McCartney turned 30, he could look back and see the entire career of the Beatles. For the KBB Review Podcast, there's over 15 hours of me talking in this annoying nasal scouse drone. I'll leave it to you to decide who the real winner is there. So, what better way to mark this milestone than by talking to two of the biggest names in the industry? First up, we have John Kerwin, who is the Managing Director of probably the largest network of premium kitchen retailers in the UK, Harvey Jones. And then we have one of the biggest suppliers in the industry in the shape of Simon Collins from Symphony. So, as you can imagine, their views on the current state of the market are very, very interesting. But first... This week's Taylor's Media Shameless Plug is for our new consumer campaign, Close to Home. Through our magazine, Kitchens, Bedrooms and Bathrooms, and its spin-off site, these3rooms.com, we are promoting the expertise, personal service and community knowledge of the local independent retailer, and we're telling the consumers actively engaged in the early research stages of a kitchen, bedroom or bathroom project. So in other words, it's all about telling consumers that to make their dream project a reality, they need true experts, and those experts are right on their doorstep. To find out more, go to these3rooms.com forward slash close to home or look out for the story on kbbreview.com and its email newsletters. I'll also put the links in this episode's description. Right, first up today, we're going to talk retail and not just any old retail. We're very lucky to talk to one of the biggest premium showroom networks in the kitchen market, and that is Harvey Jones. And joining me is the man in charge, managing director, John Kerwin. Hello, John. Are you there? Hello, I am. Come in, John. Good morning. Thank you so much for sparing us a little bit of time today. I'm guessing it's a bit busier now than it was a few weeks ago. Uh, it certainly is. I'm pleased to say, certainly a lot busier than it was two months ago. Well, which is very, very good news. Now, I think a lot of people will know the name of Harvey Jones, of course, but could you give us a bit of an overview of the business in the UK and how it's set up? Harvey Jones was established uh, well over 30 years ago and is a vertically integrated manufacturer and retailer of handmade bespoke kitchens. We operate at the premium end of the business. We have built the business up over the last 15 years to a national network of 32 showrooms. So we're quite sizable in that respect, but we effectively offer a local service at the premium end of the market wherever we we are operating from Scotland through to Wales uh, down into the south of England primarily based in the in the southeast with our manufacturing operation and workshops in Cambridgeshire. It's a very impressive uh, network, it's a very impressive business. You know, and, I, and it's weird when I was when we were arranging to talk to each other it occurred to me I've been doing this a long time. Who was Harvey Jones? I I literally don't know who he was. Oh, well there are various apocryphal stories about where the name came from. It was probably an amalgamation of Harvey Nichols and Peter Jones. But I don't really know. The original owner came up with the name long, long time ago, and uh, and I'm afraid I don't really know whether there's any truth in that or not. Yes, because that was Roy Griffiths, wasn't it? It certainly was. Yeah, so, I mean, he's nowhere near Harvey Jones. Do you still get people in now sort of asking for Harvey? No, no, no. Thankfully, we don't. (laughs) Big network there, 32 showrooms. You know, is everyone open now? Is everyone back to normal, whatever that means? We have still got four showrooms appointment only, but all the rest of them, they're open if people wish to come off the high street into the showroom. Most clients are 
phoning up or contacting us just to make sure that we're open and making an appointment. But we've had uh, we've had walk-ins in in most of our showrooms now. And I'm guessing the since since opening up. Yes, but I'm guessing the appointment only ones are probably in Scotland and Wales, are they? Well, they opened up later. I mean, we we opened most of our English showrooms fairly early on in June. But you're quite right. Uh, Scotland and Wales opened up more recently. And some of the big shopping centres were slow to open up. Milton Keynes Shopping Centre, MK Centre, was very slow to open up. So we didn't open all the showrooms at the same time. But they're certainly all running now. I want to start by just taking a little step back to look at what happened to you while the lockdown was on, because I'm wondering whether being a big network of showrooms like that, does that is that an advantage or a disadvantage when it comes to those kind of difficult decisions you have to make dealing with the immediate impact of the lockdown? It was quite daunting on the basis that you were given no notice at all. and One day you were operating, the next day everything was closed and nobody knew what they were doing. The big network of showrooms obviously means ordinarily that we are seeing different customers nationally, so we get access to a larger geography. During the lockdown, what we were finding was that through the video technology that we employed, we could talk to different people in different parts of the country, and we didn't necessarily need to use the staff that were in the local showrooms. So there was an advantage in as much as we had a large number of people that we could draw upon to service our client base. One of the things that impacted people the most is, of course, there were jobs half done when the lockdown came. Does that mean that you could borrow from one store to help out another? Oh, well, I mean, we were very clear from immediately once the lockdown was announced, it was very clear that we were going to continue trading. We were not going to lock our operation down. We had such a large order book nationally And we had so many jobs in the system that it was a matter of making sure we had sufficient resources to service those people who desperately needed a kitchen because they were halfway through a project. So we never closed down our operation at all. We merely scaled back. And then as the lockdown proceeded, so we started bringing more people back because, of course, we found that during the lockdown, whilst operationally people weren't quite sure about what are they going to do in terms of their refurbishments, in terms of timescales. Nevertheless, we had this large client base who knew that at some point we were going to come out of lockdown and therefore they wanted to uh, continue with their projects. And we also, during the lockdown, found a lot of people were interested in starting to talk about a project that might occur at some point later in the year. So there was no shortage of people who wanted to get in contact with us. So it was really a matter of getting the technology together to ensure that we were able to maintain that contact with the client base. I mean, I guess that is one of the advantages of being a company the size of yours is that you probably have an IT guy who knew what he was doing to sort that out. It wasn't you on your laptop trying to work it out for yourself. We don't have a dedicated IT function, but we have obviously significant support operation. And so putting in the technology in terms of Microsoft Teams or Zoom was done quite quickly. Okay, so that brings us up to uh, to the present day here. You've been in this game a long time. Obviously, Harvey Jones is very successful. What is your snapshot assessment of the market today? That's a very good question. In my opinion, there is no shortage of clients or potential clients 
who are interested in starting projects. I think that there has obviously been a big gap during the lockdown where things haven't got done. And I don't think that there is necessarily a huge amount of pent-up demand. I just think that people are coming out of the lockdown and they are starting to get on with their lives, particularly at the premium end of the market. And so we are finding that people that we were talking to last year are still interested this year. They've just lost three months of their lives. That's the difference. My view is that we will get a V-shaped recovery, but we probably won't make up for the losses that we have incurred in terms of not being able to deliver much stuff during the lockdown. Right. And and so I suppose that means then if you've got past it, if you've got to this stage and you're okay, then you will be seeing better days every day. (laughs) That is the hope, certainly. We obviously benefited from government support in terms of the business rates relief and the furlough scheme. We got through the cash flow crisis that hit in April and May. So in that respect, we're through the worst and we're out the other side. It is now a matter of rebuilding the business And I think that one of the factors that's affecting, that will affect the kitchen market, certainly at the premium end this year, is the speed with which building work and refurbishment work restarts. Because I think that that's been been badly affected and that has a knock-on effect on major kitchen projects that typically that we do. So you talk a bit there about rebuilding the business. I think everybody's facing that challenge is what do you do next? How do you adapt to the way the market might be? What are you doing to change the business given what's happened? I think the biggest change that we are seeing is the use of the virtual technology that has been developed during the lockdown period. It is easier to deal with clients through Zoom or Microsoft Teams today and there is a greater acceptance by clients for long distance communication. That is a significant change in how we will be dealing with our clients in future. We have always considered that you can't buy a bespoke kitchen online like you can buy clothing online and that you do need the input from the high quality designers that the premium end kitchen retailers have. But we now have a technology that enables them to do it from a distance rather than having to come into the showroom. And that, I suspect, is going to be the biggest difference to our business moving forward. It just gives the customer a much greater choice for how they want to communicate. So it's not a case of it will only be video calls or only be visits to the showroom. It's whatever is the most appropriate for whatever the conversation needs to be. Absolutely. I I couldn't agree with you more. Since we've reopened the showrooms, we have had quite a a stream of clients coming into the showroom who've already had communication with us through the video technology. And so there is a need for both. It opens up opportunity, I think. Let's look at those showrooms then. What are you doing in those showrooms in terms of the social distancing element of things? Do you have lots of signage? Do you have the perspex screens? What do you have? Uh, We have signage. We don't, right. we don't have huge numbers of people coming into a showroom at any point in time. So we use common sense. It's relatively easy for people to do the social distancing. The cleaning regime is quite onerous. But we're finding that clients are quite happy to come into showrooms and talk to our staff. And we don't have huge quantities of, of clients coming in. And so it's quite easy to manage in that respect. 
Yeah, and I think that's going to be interesting how much the consumer, the customer, is looking for that stuff when they come into showrooms. I think one of the things that's come out from a lot of retailers I've spoken to is they're the ones that are reminding the customer that they have to keep some element of social distance. Absolutely right. Same with us. They do tend to charge straight in and sit down or get a bit too close. So the signage is quite important. What's the biggest challenge, do you think? Is it is it literally just the t- getting the technology working? Is it the training the staff? I mean, what is the challenge in, in all of this rebuilding? I think that getting the systems and procedures in place in the short term, it, when I say the short term, I mean between now, I suppose, and, and when all the restrictions get totally eased. I think that implementing the operating procedures, as far as the staff are concerned, is quite onerous. Everything just takes a little bit longer and you just have to think a little bit more, particularly if you're going round to client homes and measuring up and surveys and getting the subcontractors in. That's just that little bit more difficult whilst we've got the restrictions in place. Uh, but that aside, I think that the, you know, the process of communicating with our clients and delivering the service, nothing much has changed in that respect. Yes, suppose if you're a premium end company that has always driven itself by personal service, which is what companies at your end of the market do, this is just another bit of that. Absolutely. Our clients can rely on a Harvey Jones sales designer to deliver the service, regardless of how adverse the conditions might be. And I think that our staff are quite resourceful in that respect and and have adapted very well to the issues that have have arisen over the last three months. One of the things I've been following from Harvey Jones is through the lockdown is you've been doing some really nice community initiatives as well. Tell us about a couple of them. The one that I suppose that we've launched since reopening the showrooms is our Community Larder initiative. We've all seen many examples of people showing support within the community and we wanted to do our bit. So we've teamed up with the Trussell Trust, which is a charity that provides emergency food to a nation work network of food banks. And we want households who stockpiled food in the early days of the pandemic to drop off their surplus food at our showrooms. And we will then match each item with a cash donation. We've got 32 showrooms throughout the country, and it's our way of helping the local communities. It's a small way, but it's something that we wanted to do. It's a nice little touch, and I think times like these, people do get very local. They, they have a very a local outlook, want to support local initiatives. And if you're a local retailer, like you have 32 local retailers, that's a very important part to play. Absolutely right. Whilst we are a national organisation and we sort of advertise nationally, we promote our products nationally, we like to think of ourselves as as local suppliers uh, and we like to build up uh, relationships with our local communities. How have you found your other, I mean, don't name names here, but how have you found your other suppliers? I mean, obviously you, you have your own furniture, but you, you have your worktops, your sinks, your taps, your appliances, everything else. What's your assessment of how the, your suppliers have coped with this situation? Well, some have obviously coped better than others. By and large, we've been extremely well supported by all of our suppliers. I think they've all struggled in the same way as we've struggled in the early days. But uh, most of them tried to offer some element of service during the early days of the lockdown. And it helped us meet the demands of our customers. So uh, by and large, they were very supportive. I think some of the smaller ones have found it more difficult than the larger ones. But by and large, we're quite happy with the support we've had from our suppliers. Let's round this up here a little bit. A lot of people are still very uncertain about what happens between now and Christmas. What's your gut feeling about what's going to happen and what kind of market is going to return? Are you confident that 
Yeah, it's not going to be 100% of the normal market, but what's your gauge on trying to evaluate what demand might be? Ah, that's, a, that's an incredibly difficult question. I think that the government will try to stimulate house building and house moves. And if they are successful in doing that, I see no reason why the market should see any significant decline, particularly at the premium end. But I don't think that we're going to make up the losses in terms of volume. There's not going to be an overcompensation at all. From our point of view, from our company, between now and the end of the year, uh, we will deliver the number of kitchens that we were expecting to deliver. But that's largely because we carry a large order book at any point in time and all the projects just got put on hold for three months and they will all start again. So we will see a bit of a a catch-up in deliveries between now and Christmas. I think things will be a little bit more quiet next year, but your guess is as good as mine. Yeah. Well, look, John, thank you very much for sparing us your time, your experience, your insight. There's one question we have to ask right at the end here, which is, of course, the most important question, the one everyone wants to know, and that is John Kerwin, the Managing Director of Harvey Jones. What is your deserted Kitchen Island disc? What is your most feel-good positive song? Well, I think that it's a very trite answer, and I'm sure other people have used it before, but, of course, I Will Survive is eminently singable in this sort of environment, so I suspect that that would be what I would take with me. It is an excellent choice. It is very Route 1, although, really, I think we've had that one time before. Out of all of these interviews, one person's chosen I Will Survive. So it is very appropriate. It is very affirming. Can't think of a better song right now. John, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. And we'll catch up again soon. My pleasure. Cheers, John. Bye-bye. Right, next up, let's go to one of the biggest suppliers in the industry to get a real gauge on how they see what's happening. So joining me down the line, hopefully, is Simon Collins, the Group Marketing and Retail Sales Director at Symphony. Hello, Simon. Hello, Andrew. How are you doing, sir? How's life up there? Uh, good. It's a little bit wet and cold today, but it, it's fine. Yeah, it's all good. Thank you, Andrew. Brilliant. And I can only imagine how busy you are at the moment. So thank you for sparing us a bit of time. Everyone knows Symphony, of course. Everyone knows those big red trucks. Although I'm sure there's probably a very technical name for that red, isn't there? Well, it's just known as a, a burgundy red. It's the official Symphony red. But can you just give us an idea of just how big Symphony are in the UK? We would still maintain we are the largest privately owned fitted furniture manufacturer in the UK. Our standing in the market is number three in terms of a manufacturer. Give you some very rough indication of figures. Turnover last year, just under 280 million. And we deliver probably in in the region of 2,000 kitchens a week. Wow, that is a properly big network. Give us an idea of where we stand today on what the current status of that network is. Is everything back to normal as far as you're concerned in terms of supply and manufacturing? Uh, yes, we are all back to normal now. We returned effectively to resuming deliveries and manufacturing from Monday the 11th of May. And, and since that time, we are now effectively back to normal in terms of an open as usual business. Which is incredibly positive, so that's very good news. However, clearly the market is not normal. Can you give us what your view is of how the market looks today to you? Whether you want to call it a honeymoon period or a general catch-up period in terms of the market at the moment, obviously we, we had a closure for a number of weeks. We're now back and up and running. So I think there's a combination of two things. One is I think there's a, a general pent-up demand and a catch-up in terms of where the market is, and that's giving us a boost at the moment. And I think secondly... 
there's probably a bit of a sway in the market at the moment where people, for whatever reason now, are investing more now in their homes, perhaps more than other things like holidays, etc. So again, that's giving us an artificial boost in terms of demand at the moment. Right. So when you say artificial, that says to me that you're anticipating that this won't last. It's not necessarily saying definitely won't last. I just think we're saying that we're proceeding with caution at the moment where that demand's coming from and how that demand will, will stretch itself for the remainder of the year. I think certainly it will be with us, I think, until September, October. But I still think there's obviously some parameters and uncertainties out there at the moment in terms of the remainder of 2020. Right. Can you give us any idea of how the current market would compare to a normal July? July would be normally a relatively busy month for us in terms of shipments. Primarily on retail, it's normally a build-up before effectively the summer break. So we do normally see a, a spike coming through into July. And then we would normally see then a quietly down to come into the holiday period. And then obviously when we start to build again towards the sort of Christmas end of year period. I think this year, looking at how we're performing at the moment, that spike has probably flattened into July, but we expect then to carry on into August and we're not having the dip we would normally see as coming to the summer months. It's more of a flattening period rather than a peaks and troughs in terms of volumes. I went for a walk yesterday and literally every third house was someone doing their driveway, converting a loft. Uh, every single one had a builder's van outside doing something to it. It is quite an odd contraction of business, isn't it? People have been at home for weeks, looked at the houses, as they do, for example, at Christmas. You know, people stay at home at Christmas, they look at the house, they plan, um, they decide, oh, yeah, we need to do this, we need to do that. And that's obviously when you start to get the activity post-Christmas normally, which then comes in spring. And I think we've seen the same now, where people have had even a longer period at home, <laughs> look at even more in terms of what needs to do in the house and they started to plan and then think about yeah we need to do outside we need to do the kitchen the bathroom whatever in the house it is then which they want to, to renovate and update is the biggest challenge for a supplier the size that you are to anticipate where the demand is going to be and when because you've got to make sure that those those trucks are on the road the factories producing the units is the hardest part of literally knowing how many phone calls you're going to get this week yeah it is we've always had that challenge and that's where i think not just for now but i think historically is where symphony strength has really come in we've built ourselves effectively being on a very flexible operation and where the peaks and troughs come and we normally know where the peaks and troughs come but even catering for those outside in all periods we can manage that and that's where our whole system and ethos has come from is, is building up flexibility to our service and being able to manage those volumes one of the other things about symphony of course is you're, you're a very proudly british company proudly british manufacturer can you see your customers looking a bit closer to home when it comes to who they get their stuff from i've spoken to a few other british manufacturers and they're they're very keen on this idea of people wanting a, a shorter supply chain yes they are and i think that we probably saw that through last year, really. I think in 2019, we went through the Brexit, and that seems a, a long time ago now, and a, and a very funny, almost distant word in terms of Brexit. But last year, that was very prevalent, I think, buying British, looking at British manufacturer, continuity of supply as well. You can almost view Brexit as quite nostalgic. <laughs> <laughs> you do now, yeah, you think, yes, that was the yeah. yeah. Compared to now. Oh, yes. I remember Brexit well. Hazy days. It seems a world away now, but I think that almost movement started last year coming back to sourcing local stalking british we definitely felt that movement coming towards the end of last year and i think that's continued into this year and can be more prevalent now 
Do you think any of the preparations you put in place for a no-deal Brexit helped you through the coronavirus situation? We built stocks and yeah, that has provided us in terms of getting a very quick and very smooth remobilization when we came back to work in, in May because we, we had the stocks in place already. We weren't reliant effectively on other suppliers supplying us at the time. We were already prepared in terms of that. So yeah, they put us in a very strong position when we came back. A lot of people will have encountered that. There was a lot of stock built up that I think saw an awful lot of projects finished, which maybe it wouldn't have done if that hadn't been the case. You know, a lot of big suppliers in particular obviously bought extra warehouse space anticipating a no-deal Brexit. Uh, And that's actually helped. In in a weird kind of roundabout, twisted way, it's almost helped. We always have to maintain our stock anyway in terms of our peak demand. So, yeah, we are generally well provisioned in terms of what stock holding we have. And we haven't sorted Brexit out yet, so it might all come in. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, it's got to be in the back of mind. Yeah, we've got to get through this, but obviously that is still a shadow which is going to appear, I think, towards the end of this year. You deal with the retail side of the business. How do you think your relationship with retailers will change permanently because of what's happened here? What kind of thoughts have you been having? Well, I think it's certainly a change in terms of the way we, we work with our retailers. I think there's no doubt that I think that will probably be a permanent change in terms of what we do in terms of how we communicate with them face-to-face contact has changed i think we're in the world now of uh, teams and zoom that's almost in some ways improved our communication we can have almost more instant almost immediate contact with them rather than having to make appointments drive x amount of miles to go and see them we're now able to yet bring them up on screen have a conversation talk to them and then that more intimate contact almost with them the next sort of hurdle we've got to get past here, I guess, is the end of the job retention scheme, the end of the furlough scheme. That's when people suspect there might be a dip. Is that what you're preparing yourself for? The wider picture is as we come through the end of that scheme, which will be September to October, then that really will be when we see how we go forward into 2021. And how far ahead are you planning at the moment, Simon? Can you plan anything right now? Are you Have you, have you already got 2021 mapped out? No, it, it's still too early, I think, to, to make that absolute plan in terms of what's going to happen next year but we believe as we go into the summer then we will start to then get a feeling in terms of where we're going to be next year it's still too early to make that sort of forecast prediction yeah and who knows i think people are so desperate to get back to normal that's almost become the main emotive driver of consumers i think is they just want everything to be normal again well we do yes i think people just want to get back to a routine normality and seasons again of that normal daily routine but, but I think possibly, you know, our retailers, they have been, majority are saying, yeah, it is positive at the moment in terms of inquiries coming through, there's interest there. And whilst I hang to work a slightly different way, obviously, in terms of showrooms opening, appointments only, definitely that there, there is a, that positive move forward at the moment. Well, look, Simon, we could talk all day about this, particularly for a brand like Symphony that touch every single bit of the market. But time's beaten us a little bit. But we have got time, of course, for the most single most important question, which is, of course, Simon Collins from Symphony. What is your deserted Kitchen Island disc? Things can only get better. Oh, by D. Ream. D. Ream, correct. By D. Ream, the Labour Party anthem. <laughs> I won't take that last comment, but I think that's a positive <laughs> note, Andrew, and let's look forward to a more positive future. Well, that's a very, very good, very positive choice, Simon. So thank you very much for that. And I do appreciate taking a bit of time out to talk to us today. No problem at all, Andrew. Always good to talk to you. Thank you, sir. Goodbye now. Thank you. Goodbye. And that's it for episode 30. Big thanks to John Kerwin and Simon Collins. 
Apologies for the difference in sound quality there. The internet still lets us down sometimes. Remember to look out for the Close to Home campaign and then feel free to find this show on Apple Podcasts by searching KBB Review, or one word, and then subscribe and leave us a nice review. See you next time. Mm-hmm.